it's that kind of disorganized trading that can get people into trouble. Most people cannot devote trading as a full-time job, and it probably isn't good as a full-time job, but it can be a productive hobby or a productive side hustle if you treat it seriously. Hey everyone, welcome to the Anarchy Podcast. 99% of traders will never make consistent profits. So why listen to the 99% of advice? On this show, we're gonna challenge some of the most hallowed and repeated tenets of trading, and in doing so, set you up to succeed where others fail. Spoiler alert, we don't have a secret strategy or magic wand that will let you skip out on the hard work of learning the markets, but we can debunk viewpoints that are holding you back. If that sounds good to you, come join us. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Anarchy Podcast. Today is part two of our interview with Annie Logue, writer of Day Trading for Dummies. Part one was awesome, so be sure to check it out, but each part stand on its own. You're going to love it. In this episode, Annie covers how to avoid being a gambler, where she sees the future of day trading going, and what she views as the biggest difference between successful and unsuccessful traders. You're not going to want to miss it. Also, stick around until the end to see how to enter a giveaway for a signed copy of her new book. So with that, Annie Logue. Okay, so we've talked about, you talked about a few of the things that, that you're kind of putting into the next, um, next this upcoming edition. So could you give, like, how has day trading changed over time since, like, edition one? What are the changes that you've seen happen? Like, you know, obviously, like you said, there's no, there's not really any pits anymore. The floor has lowered substantially to get in, so there's a lot of, like there's a lot of krill out there just ready to get swallowed by a whale. So like, how has that changed? Does that affect who's getting in and who's getting out? It's a zero sum game. So there's a lot more just, you know, fresh bait out there. So how have you seen it change? And, and to tag onto that, how, how where do you see it going? Uh, that's the, that's the follow-up question. Okay. Oh, that's an interesting one. Okay. So how it's changed, it's changed a lot. I mean, the first edition of the book had a lot of information about making sure you had a fast, dedicated internet line and computer backups and um, because there was a lot of you, you had the technology risk was higher right. than it is now. You know, internet lines are far more stable. Um, you can use your phone as a backup so you don't need to have a backup PC um, so I think that has been a big change. The other thing that's been a big change is that all the brokers are non-commissioned now. And early on, especially, you know, there's some commissions for certain types of transactions and certain types of assets, but it used to be that primarily you know, I, I went into explanations in the first book of explaining like how to compare commissions with against execution time. And of course, now that's that's not the concern, but people do still need to worry about execution time because a lot of brokers don't offer good execution and they're somewhat upfront about it. I mean, a lot of the brokers doing that are pooling orders um, or doing payment for order flow, you know, you're going to have a harder time getting optimal execution. And if your strategy involves trading for very short term, that's going to kill you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's something to pay attention to. 
I've definitely had issues with that in the past with slippage with because mm-hmm. I tend to trade on much higher time frames. I mean, much lower time frames. Sorry. So yeah. slippage is really, really important to me in how I trade. And I know it is yeah. for a lot of other people, especially who trade on those higher time frames. And brokerage firms have to report it. And there are people who rate it. But you want to know like what it is, you know, so that yep. you you um, can make a better decision. The other thing is that there's been the emergence of new assets, and one would be the whole line of mini futures, mini contracts that really make a lot of markets more accessible to day traders and to smaller traders than they were before, um, because you can now trade commodities. You know, there was a time when you really couldn't even touch the commodities market as an individual, as a retail trader. And now, you know, small retail traders can play in just about every market. And then, of course, the rise of crypto. And I thought day trading was close to being over as a thing uh, a few years ago, just because, you know, um, algorithmic trading had just conquered Wall Street. But I think the rise of crypto got a lot of individual investors interested again. And then the pandemic and people were home and they were bored and we had the whole GameStop thing. But that's really made this more interesting again. Like we had like the shakedown of the meme stock. But now that the dust has settled, there were people who either were successful in that era or just want to know more about it. And so they're coming back. The blow up in crypto last year, I thought would last longer than it has um, because crypto's doing better or certain coins are. And I think that that's adding some more life to the whole um, day trading game. I really do. Mm. Now, Mm -hmm. do you see, now you said, like and, and a lot of people shared this when when kind of algorithmic trading you know hit its stride right and that day trading was kind of going to be over a lot of people shared that same opinion I and mean, it seems to make sense where what are your opinions on now going forward with now that we've kind of hit this new we blew past the plateau on ai <laughs> how do you view that coming up and like I know, I know people, I've seen people on Twitter, big people who think it's going to be done. Like the AI is just going to smooth everything out and uh, it's going to be impossible to get like, what's your opinion on that? In the near term, it evens the playing field because AI, you know, the Goldman Sachs of the world have had access to this for a while. Yeah. Just because they can afford the programmers. They can afford to have people on proprietary people who do work on this. And now it's more available to everybody. And brokerage firms have made it easier for people to program trades. And then using just a basic chat bot, basic chat GPT, you can, between that and between your broker's offerings, it's easier for people without a programming background to automate their trading. So in the near term, it makes it a better, fairer market. Longer term, my guess would be AI evens everything out. What I think is more interesting, and it's something to watch kind of in the medium term, 
But one of the other reasons that a lot of trading opportunities have dried up is because so much institutional money on the equity side has moved, well, on in all assets, has moved to indexing. And so there's fewer opportunities for any kind of news-driven trades, for any kind of noise trades, because everything's just driven by the index. But right now, like especially in the United States, the index is driven by seven companies. Right. And so at some point, people are going to realize that indexing has become a form of active management. And when money starts moving out of indexing, all it's going to take is like one of those seven companies blows up and all of a sudden everybody hates indexing. And then the equity market, at least, and probably the other markets will have a lot more activity, a lot more noise trading, and that creates opportunities for day traders. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting seeing how things change. Um, you know, who, who the hell knows, but you know, as like, in my opinion, as long as there's other people, like you said, it, it is a zero sum game. As long as there's humans on the other end, um, there's always going to be, there's always going to be something, uh, there's always going to be imbalances of some sort now. Okay. So I had a question on, we did an episode a couple months ago on <laughs> gambling and whether you're a gambler. And uh, your book talks about this briefly about kind of the dangers of being a gambler in the day trading world. Could you talk a little bit about how do you know if you're a gambler? And, you know, especially like we said, the floor being lowered, a lot of people jumping in are kind of, they're jumping in because they have a tendency already. There was a study in that book that I hadn't heard before, that study from uh, University of Adelaide, like 91% of day traders are also gamblers and 7% have gambling problems, which is like way higher than the average. So how do you know if you're getting, you're, you're interested in day trading, how do you know that you're not interested because you're just a degenerate (laughs) and like, how do you avoid being a gambler and getting it, being a sucker? Yeah. I mean, you know, gambling itself, there are people who are like good gamblers in part because they can be dispassionate. Um, Gambling is not a zero sum game. The odds always favor the house. Um, So that's one significant difference. And, you know, the house might make it up to you by giving you occasional free drinks or comping you to a show, but you have to have big losses before you start getting cops. Right. So brokerage firms aren't going to comp you, uh, but you're in a zero-sum market. So the odds are more in your favor if you manage, you know, again, like a good gambler is managing positions, is paying attention to the odds, right? Even though the odds are against them, they're going to favor markets where they perceive themselves as having an edge or where the odds are more favorable than less, right? Right. Um, and good gamblers are manage their money. You know, they don't put everything in and the po- you know poker and then you know whatever. They're paying attention to what they're doing and they're trying to avoid getting caught up in the drama. So is good gambler is good gambler is that an actual term or is that an uh, kind of like an oxymoron? 
Um, it's a little bit of an oxymoron. It, you know, I mean, there's certain games where the odds are closer to even or where there's more yeah, of an element sure. of skill like poker. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah. you're going to be successful if you're managing your losses and you're paying attention to the size of your positions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So the difference is where where a gambler gets in trouble is if they have a problem managing their gambling and they look at day trading as a more socially acceptable form of gambling. And a lot of problem gamblers, like a lot of gamblers are day traders, but they're managing their positions. They're thinking about the odds. A lot of problem gamblers are day trading because it's a socially acceptable form of gambling. It's a socially acceptable way to deal with their addiction. And they're not paying attention to their risks. They're not controlling their emotions and they're going to blow it up. You know, it's so like those are the, so those are the guys who have bought like 50 prop firm accounts in one month and they're just YOLOing it every single time. All the time. Right. And it's you know, you can think about like other addictions like alcohol. There are people who are managing their alcohol addiction by drinking very expensive wine. And there are people who are managing their alcohol addiction by little bottles of one dollar bottles of rot gut on the, the counter at the liquor store. They both have a problem, but one is more socially acceptable, right? Um, and then there's plenty of people who drink, but who don't have a problem, right? So right. I think it's the same with almost any any kind of addiction. There's people who do it and don't have a problem. There's people who have problems, but do it in a socially acceptable way, which is a problem. And there's people who have problems and do it in a socially unacceptable way, which is the same kind of problem. We've just assigned some kind of label to it. So mm. that's a so long that, that answer. Makes a, no, no, that, I think that answers perfectly. To tie into that, you know, we, we always hear this um, stat pull, pulled around that 95% of day traders are unprofitable. Is, is that uh, kind of in the ballpark in your experience or what has your, you know, what all your research and experience showed you? I think that the sample that I have is, I I think a higher percentage of people that I've talked to are profitable, but I think a lot of it's the type of people I've talked to. Um, I think there's a lot of people who, um, you know, play around with it and maybe play around with a small amount of money and they're not really doing well. And so they quit, you know, Mm. a lot a lot of people get into a market because it seems like a good idea. It's money they can afford to lose. They lose it. They move on. They don't, they kind of give up. So, um, you know, there, there's not the best studies are the ones that were done with the data from Taiwan because they have such a robust data set and they are pretty consistent that most day traders lose money. And that doesn't surprise me at all. And it's a combination of the people who are don't want to miss out. They hear everybody doing it, so they want to try it, who maybe try it and have small losses and realize trading's not for them. And then for people who don't trade, who, who continue to trade, but who don't manage their losses, who don't manage their positions well. 
so you kind of mentioned that the people you deal with, it's might be maybe different. Does that tie into just people who kind of, who treat day trading as a business? Like they are, it's just their business. I, I know you mentioned in your book, you warn against, you warn against doing day trading as kind of a hobby. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to that a little bit and how that might play into it? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, you could have it as a hobby, but have it be a serious hobby where you dedicate a certain amount of time. You take the time and energy to learn the markets, to, to understand what typical trading patterns are in your market at the time you trade. But you're not just like, oh, hey, this guy on Reddit said this is great. And I heard somebody else on Reddit made a lot of money or gosh, you know, I, I haven't looked at this market in months. Let me see what's happening. I'm just going to buy some calls and see what happens. You know, it's that kind of disorganized trading that can get people into trouble. Um, obviously, most people cannot devote trading as a full-time job, and it probably isn't good as a full-time job, but it can be a productive hobby or a productive side hustle if you treat it seriously. Mm-hmm. And that means paying attention to the things that aren't glamorous. You know, you've got the internet's filled with people who've got surefire strategies. You watch their videos, you pay for their system and blah, blah, blah. But it really gets down to you know, understanding the market you're trading in you know, what's going to drive, you know, what are the dynamics of calls? How are they going to behave close to expiration? Things like that. Um, Next, how you're going to put in your stops to protect your risk on the downside. And then three, how you're going to manage your cash so that you don't get blown out by one bad trade. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I mean, the, like, doing the boring stuff is like 90% of pretty much everything. It just mm-hmm. boils down to mm-hmm. doing the boring stuff. Yeah. It would be a lot more fun if, if you didn't have to do the boring stuff. <laughs> it would be, it would be. Right. Why do we have to do all this boring stuff? If you don't want to do the boring stuff, go to a casino and you'll get free drinks. There you go. There you go. That's <laughs> the thing. Like if you want to treat it as like, you know, because there's people who treat gambling like they just go and they take a hundred dollars and they're willing to lose the hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It's like they do it for the excitement and mm-hmm. they go take a hundred dollars and they're paying a hundred dollars for the fun. And if you're going to view it like that, then that's one thing. But if you want to actually be serious about it, it is it's a career that you need to learn. Like Jordan and I always talk about um you know, if, if you want to be literally anything else, you go to college and it takes four years to get a bachelor's. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who ch- jump into day trading and, mm-hmm. and treat it like, Hey, I can, I can do this for a couple months mm-hmm. and be pulling a bunch of money out of the market. And I just, it's not very realistic. No, no. And when you think about like the kinds of people who get trade, who get hired at the Goldman Sachs of the world, they're often people who have a background in statistics or computer science. Um, they might not necessarily have a PhD. They might not necessarily be polished, but that's what they know. They're not just like somebody who just like walked in and was like, hey, I want to be on your trading desk. Um, 
you know, they they have an interest and understanding of what statistics are, how to how to look at odds, how to evaluate changes in numbers. If you had to boil down something that kind of sets the successful and the unsuccessful trader apart, do you have like a maybe top one or two things like that that would set those people apart from the regular run of the mill? unsuccessful 95%? I would say number one is, do they take it seriously? Hmm. Like, are they going to take some time to figure out what they're doing and how they're going to approach it? Number two, tracking trades so that you know when you enter the trade, you know what your stop is. When you enter the trade, you know where you're going to, you know your entrance, you know your exit. You know your exit on the downside, you know your exit on the upside. Um, and then evaluate, being able to evaluate that. And then money management. It's really those three things, you know, they're not glamorous. Jordan, do you have anything else? Do you have any other questions? Because I know we're we're nearing the end of our end of our time. Do you have any other questions to to ask? Um, well, we're you know, we're gonna talk about it, but where can people find your book and kind of what languages is it covered in? Cause I know it's more than just English and we've got, I mean, we're an English podcast right now, but we do have right. people listening from quite a few other countries. So where can people find it and uh, what languages is it available in? Well, the fifth edition, the fifth U S edition is coming out this month and it's available at every major bookstore. It's also available at your public library. Public libraries are big supporters of authors. And so if, I'd rather, if you don't want to buy the book, I'd rather you get it from a library than get a pirated copy online. So <laughs> um, um, then there is a there are several international editions. There's a, um, a localized for language, but also for differences in regulations and, and local practices. There's a Canadian edition, there's a Dutch edition, a German edition, and a Brazilian Portuguese edition. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Cause we're, we're planning on, and I know we, we talked about this. We're planning on giving away a copy of the book as a giveaway. So just, just for everybody listening, uh, all you have to do to enter the giveaway, just share this episode on social media or to someone, you know, personally who might enjoy it. And then just shoot us an email at contact at anarchy.trading.com contact at anarchytrading.com. There it was. And, or DM us on Twitter, uh, at anarchy trading and just shoot us a shoot us an email or a picture of uh, of your share and that way we can know you're in the giveaway and we'll uh we'll give away a, a copy of the book a physical copy if you're in the US if you're elsewhere hell <laughs> if you're elsewhere we'll have to we'll have to do an ebook or something like that um but yeah if you're in the US we'll ship you a physical copy now can we get that can we get that copy signed yes yes i will sign hell that yeah. copy hell yeah hell yeah perfect yeah. For- Perfect. Well, Annie, I, again, appreciate your appreciate you taking the time with us. Um, this this episode has has been really really valuable. There's been a lot of really good stuff in here. I I know our listeners are going to really appreciate it. Where can they find you? Do you have any you know any social media anywhere else that people can uh, go and follow your work? I have a website which is anlogue.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I used to be on Twitter or X, but I'm not anymore, but I am on threads. So you okay. can find me on threads. And um, 
I have a sub stack, although it's not really about trading. It's more about like Generation X life, but it is the whatever years uh, at Substack. Um, if you're interested in that. Perfect. Perfect. We'll provide yeah. links in the description for everybody so they can find you again. And, and thank you so much for uh, coming on and for talking with us and uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for getting up early, Jordan. I appreciate it. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. <laughs>